Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I have got a special treat for you. I'm going to play for you an episode, a recent episode, of John S. Rennie's podcast, Deep Leadership. If you've been listening to the Starfleet Leadership Academy for very long, you've heard me talk about deep leadership, or maybe you've heard some of the ads. It's honestly one of my favorite leadership podcasts out there. In this episode, he interviews Jacob Morgan. Jacob recently wrote a book called Leading with Vulnerability. Unlock your greatest superpower to transform yourself, your team, and your organization. I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. So as a treat for you, here I am offering, courtesy of John S. Rennie, Deep Leadership with Jacob Morgan. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jacob Morgan. Jacob is a professionally trained futurist, keynote speaker, and best-selling author of five books, his most recent book is called Leading with Vulnerability, Unlock Your Greatest Superpower to Transform Yourself, Your Team, and Your Organization. And I am excited to have him on the show to talk about the power of vulnerability in leadership. So, Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, I'm uh, excited to talk about this topic. But before we dive in, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in the world of leadership, writing books, speaking, and also the future of work? Well, my path actually came from having terrible jobs working for other people. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the last full-time job I had was around 15 years ago. It was in Los Angeles. And I, I was always a terrible student, but in college, I actually graduated with a dual bachelor's degree in economics and psychology. I graduated with honors. And it was really the first time that I got good grades. Uh, for the, my entire adult life, I was like a C student, C plus student, maybe if I was lucky. And, um, you know, something kind of clicked in my mind when I got to college where I realized this is the last opportunity that I had. And if I didn't do well there, then I wouldn't get a good job. I wouldn't get a good salary and my life would just go downhill. So I worked really, really hard in college. And when I graduated, I interviewed for this company in downtown Los Angeles. And I was told I'd be doing all these really amazing things, traveling the country and meeting with entrepreneurs and executives. And I'd really make an impact in the, the field that I was in, which is in the technology space and business and leadership. So I took the job and I was willing to forego my daily three-hour commute, so hour and a half each way. Wow. Uh, but again, I took the job because I was sold this story of doing meaningful work and having an impact. And a couple months into my job, I'm doing data entry and cold calling and PowerPoint presentations. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what the hell? Like, why did I work so hard in school? This is just complete mm -hmm. garbage. Uh, and the pivotal moment came for me when the CEO came out of his beautiful corner office in downtown Los Angeles. And, you know, he's screaming across the office. He's like, Jacob, get over here. I got something really important for you. And I get very excited. I'm thinking, all right, this is my moment. I paid my dues. Like something awesome is going to happen. So I run over to the CEO and he's like, I got something really important I need you to do for me. And I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? I'm ready. Uh, and he puts his hand in his pocket, he takes out his wallet, and he takes out a $10 bill 
slaps the $10 bill in my hand and he's like, I am late for a meeting and I need you to go down to Starbucks and get me a latte. Mm. And that was the important job to <laughs> go get him a cup of coffee. This is four years of schooling, a degree yeah. in economics, yeah. a degree in psychology, graduating with honors, sleepless nights to get this person the coffee. And at that moment, I just became completely dejected, mm. disenfranchised, disengaged with the corporate world. And I started to think, is it possible for me to make a living to not have to work for anybody else ever again? And that was <laughs> the beginning of my journey. And I did it. search engine optimization and marketing and social media consulting. But that was the beginning of my journey to go off on my own. Uh, and ever since then, I've just really become fascinated with this idea of how do I help make sure that other people don't have these types of experiences? And I know there's far worse experiences that people have had, but it's more of the feeling, right? How do we create environments where employees actually feel like they want to show up? Mm, How do we create yeah. great leaders, engaged employees, and future-ready organizations? And that seed was planted in my mind because of that cup of coffee. Wow. Yeah. I, it's incredible that you tell that story because we talk a lot about the, on this podcast where you know, we have these excited young people coming to companies and like you, like you, they've gone through all this training, they've got their degree, and sometimes they finally get, land their job with this dream, this dream job or this dream company. And then what do we do? We put them in a corner and we give them busy work and we never really ask for their opinions or it really engage them in any way. And so yeah. we take these excited young people um, and we just make them you know, they, they, they become disengaged because we don't yeah. engage with them. And so I, I always think that that's probably the, one of the biggest things that we do wrong in leadership is, is really not getting the, the, the best out of our, especially new people in our organization. Oh, like, it's, that's, a, that's a big problem. Yeah. It's killer. Right. I mean, yeah. people need to remember that nobody starts off on day one working for your company thinking this place sucks. Right. Like yeah. day one, everyone's excited to be there. They're excited to make an impact. They want to know where they're going to be working, who they're going to be sitting with, what their team is like. Like they're, ready to just crush it. yeah. And what ends up happening is through outdated office politics, bureaucracy, hierarchy, command and control, like their engagement just starts going down and down and down and down and down to the point where it gets so low that now we bring our HR teams together and we say, hey, wait a minute, we got a problem here. Our employees are disengaged. What do we do to re-engage them? Yeah. When the real solution is, how do you keep these excited employees from being disengaged to begin with? Yeah, right, and yeah. that's it's to your point. It's a it's a big killer inside of organizations. It drives me nuts when I see it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, the purpose of this podcast is to build a world with better bosses. So it seems like our we're aligned with our mission. So uh, let's talk about this new book you've got, Leading with Vulnerability. So uh, from what I can tell, everything I've looked at, it, there's a lot of research that went into this book. So talk a yes. little bit about the research that went into it because I really like the fact that the that this is research based. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are probably familiar with the concept of vulnerability and we all know what it feels like to be vulnerable, but very few people know what it what it means to lead with vulnerability. Right. And we can get into that distinction between the two. But this concept and the research and the idea for this book originally came from a previous book that I wrote called The Future Leader. And for that book, I interviewed 140 CEOs and I was having a lot of conversations with them around what are the most important mindsets and skill sets for current and aspiring leaders? And from a lot of those conversations, these CEOs would bring up things like vulnerability and emotional intelligence. So I kind of stored that away in my mind a little bit as being something important. Yeah. And then for the new book, I interviewed 100 CEOs. I surveyed 14,000 employees. 
And I started to ask these CEOs more specifically about vulnerability. And I discovered a few things. One is that while a lot of us and a lot of CEOs and a lot of leaders specifically, they understand what vulnerability is. They understand why it's important in their personal lives, right? To connect with your kids, to connect with your family, your friends, your significant others. Like we know why vulnerability is important. However, when it comes to vulnerability inside of an organization, we forget that it's a different dynamic, right? We forget that inside of an organization, we have a boss, we have a hierarchy, we have employees, we have deadlines, we have customers, we have employees, benefits, like there's just a different structure that happens inside of an organization. Specifically also, if you're a leader, where now you're actually responsible for other people. You're responsible for the fiscal aspect of the business, the dollars and cents. So it became very clear that not only is vulnerability in our personal lives not the same as it is inside of our organizations, but being vulnerable for a leader is not the same as it is for everybody else. That became very clear from a lot of the CEO interviews that I was doing because they would say things like, I get it. Vulnerability is important, but how do I make it real inside of my company? Because it's not the same as it is when I'm talking to my wife or my kids. Like it's a different dynamic. I can't just say the same things and act the same way because it's a different structure. And what also became apparent, so that's kind of one side, right? The education aspect, the understanding how to apply it, how to make it real aspect was, was really lacking. And on the second side, a lot of these leaders were telling me that on the one hand, their employees wanted them to project this aura of confidence and competence and be visionary and be these strong types of leaders But on the flip side, these same employees were also saying, hey, talk to me about your biggest challenges and your regrets and your failures and how you're feeling and what's going on with you. And a lot of these CEOs and these leaders were taking a step back and they're like, wait a minute, I don't get it. Do you want me to be this strong, competent, visionary leader who knows how to take the company forward? Or are you asking me to be more human and talk about my challenges and mistakes, right? They they oftentimes don't seem aligned, right? Mm, yeah. Competence and the strength versus the vulnerability and the, uh, you know, the, the failures and the mistakes. Right. And so a lot of leaders were kind of like, I don't, I don't understand what my employees want from me here. And so I realized that it is just a very unique opportunity to specifically focus on vulnerability inside of organizations and in the context of leadership. And that's kind of what I set out to explore with this book. That's really interesting. You know, I was, you know, my, my first job, you know, out of college was I was a submarine officer on a submarine. Yeah. The ship, you know, goes through some rough seas where, you know, we were in a winter storm for, for, for two weeks. Everybody looked at the captain to make sure that he knew what he was doing. Right. And, and what we didn't want to have him is say, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried myself. Right. You know, I'm, I've got some concerns myself. I didn't want that, right? You wanted, yeah, I'm not sure what to do here, guys. <laughs> oh, we wanted someone that was confident and knew, looked yeah. like, at least looked like he knew what he was doing. So you're right. There's these two sides of it. We're told we have to be vulnerable, but also we have to, we have to show confidence and we have to show competence and at yeah. the leaders. So, so let's, let's talk about vulnerability. So, you know, some would, some say that it is a weakness or you, you hear it sometimes if you're acting vulnerable, you're acting weak. And so a lot of times we, we, as leaders, we don't want to project weakness. We want to project strength. So how, what's vulnerability when it comes to leadership? What is, what does it look like? Sure. So, and kind of the, the advice I have might be a little bit counterintuitive here. So I'm not an advocate of just being vulnerable at work. 
I'm an advocate of leading with vulnerability. And let me kind of give you a distinction between what those two things are. So vulnerability is this concept of doing or saying something that exposes you to the potential of emotional harm. Right. Talking about a mistake, a failure, a challenge or struggle, maybe something you're going through in your personal life, whatever it might be. That's ultimately what vulnerability is. You're kind of giving somebody something where if they wanted to, they could take that and hurt you in some way emotionally. Mm, yes. Physically too, but for the context of most people, uh, it's usually emotionally. In other words, they could use it as a way to keep you from getting promoted. They could use it as a way to backstab you. They could use it as a, you know, the list goes on and on, but they have something on you that they could hurt you with if they wanted to. So that's really what vulnerability is. Now, to understand why this is not ideal inside of an organization, we also need to take a step back and understand the relationship between an employee and an organization. And it's a very basic and simple and fundamental relationship. A company has a need. They have a job posting, and they're looking for somebody who can fulfill and do that role. Somebody who has a particular set of skills, uh, you know, like Liam Neeson in the, in the movie Taken, yeah. you know, like I have a particular set of skills. So somebody who has the right skills, the mindsets, the approach, who can do the job that the company needs to fill, right? And so what happens is the company says, we need this done. And employees and prospects say, I can do it. And so a match is made. We say, great, you're a good fit. You can do this job. Perfect. So now what happens, right? You get the job and now you're showing up to work every day and you're being vulnerable all the time. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I, hey, I need some help. Can you please help me? Or I don't know how to do that. Or, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm just having a tough time. Or what starts to happen over time is people are going to look at you and they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Mm. This isn't the relationship that we signed up for. We hired you because you said that you could do this. And now all of a sudden... You're just talking about mistakes and failures and reasons for why you're not able to do your job. And what happens is vulnerability becomes kind of a crutch or becomes a substitute for competence. Mm -hmm. So a very typical example that we see inside of organizations, and you can probably relate to this um, in your previous career too. Somebody makes a mistake, right? What usually happens when we think about vulnerability and making a mistake? We usually say, you should just go to your leader and say, I'm sorry, I really screwed up. I made a mistake. That's vulnerable. But there's no leadership there. Hmm. Leading with a vulnerability would be taking that same scenario and saying, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Here's what I learned from the mistake that I made. Here's what I'm going to do in the future to make sure that that mistake does not happen again. Hmm. First scenario is just being vulnerable. The second scenario is leading with vulnerability. So it all comes down to bringing together two attributes, vulnerability and leadership. Or you could think of it as another way, as connection, which is the vulnerability piece, and competence, which is the leadership piece. You have to have both, right? And the reason why you have to have both is because if you only focus on vulnerability, then, and let's say I work for you and somebody says, hey, what do you think of John as a leader? And you, let's say you index really high in vulnerability, but you're not doing anything on the leadership, the competence side. Somebody says, what do you think of John as a leader? And I'll say, well, oh man, John is great. We have a great relationship, great chemistry. Like just, you know, we, we I love hanging out with John. He's just a good person, but I'm not sure he's the right leader because yeah, yeah. he's struggling to actually do the things that need to get done for the business. Flip side of that's also true. Let's say you only focus on the leadership piece and you're really, really good at your job. And then somebody comes to me and they say, well, what do you think of John as a leader? And I'll say, oh my God, John is so smart. He's able to bring in business. He's closing deals. He just knows everything. He's just wickedly smart. 
but I don't feel engaged mm-hmm. from John. I don't get motivated or inspired from John. I don't have that human connection. I feel like there's a little bit of a gap. He's really good at what he does, but just kind of the human aspect isn't there. In other words, people are going to think that you're a little bit of a robot. Mm. So you got to have both vulnerability and um, leadership, competence and connection. And I think the big mistake we make inside of our companies is we only focus typically on the vulnerability piece. You got to bring together both. It's interesting you say that because we've had a number of guests on the show talking about the idea of servant leadership, for example. And the, the problem I have with servant leadership is, you know, I've always said it's the people and the mission. And servant leadership is all about the people. And that's great. And that's important. But you also have to accomplish the mission. And so to me, I think great leadership is a connection between people and the mission. So it's, in this case, it's it's the and between connection and competence is what you're, yes. what you're, what you're talking about. Is So you have to have that connection. So you have to have vulnerability to show I'm a human being. I have emotions. I have feelings. I have, I'm not a robot, right? So you're connecting with your employees. But the other side of it is you have to be good at what you do. I mean, yeah, obviously to, to, to lead an organization, you've got to be able to be competent in your craft. Right. And so having, having both those things is, is, is critical. Yeah. And there's actually very, uh, one of the stories that I have in my book, um, is from Hollis Harris. He's the former CEO of Continental Airlines. And this story, by the way, was told to me by Doug Parker, the former chairman and CEO of American Airlines. And what happened is in the 90s, Continental Airlines was struggling. Um, It was going through a really tough time. And Hollis Harris was asked to write a memo to his entire workforce of like 40,000 employees to address what's going on with the business and just you know give kind of a, um, a state from the, the CEO's perspective of what's happening. And so he writes this memo to his employees and he kind of acknowledges that everything is, uh, they're going through a tough time and there's challenges and that uh, he's not sure what course of action to take. And he ends his memo by saying, pray for the future of the company. Mm. And the next day he was fired. What he did was very vulnerable, but there was no leadership there. Yeah. Now contrast this to a lot of other CEOs who I interviewed, especially during the pandemic. One of them is uh, Fleetwood Grobler. He's the CEO of a South African energy company called Sassel. He too, when he took over as CEO, company was going through a tough time. The banks almost came and repossessed the entire business. They were in debt, $13 billion. And that's right when he became promoted, uh, promoted to CEO. And he too also had no idea what he was going to do. And he too was asked to give an all hands appearance, a meeting for his entire workforce and to also give a message. And his message was different. He started off similar to what Hollis did. And he said, I acknowledge that the company is going through a tough time. I acknowledge that marketing conditions are not ideal and that the business as a whole is struggling. I don't know the exact course of action that we're going to take to get out of this, but I have a vision. I have an idea of where we can go. And I know that we have a really, really smart and capable capable group of employees. And if we can come together, we can rebuild trust in our customers and we can rebuild trust in the eyes of our employees. So come with me on this journey, help me achieve this vision that I believe we can get to and together we will be able to achieve success. And that's exactly what the company did. So again, there was vulnerability there, but also leadership. And that again is the crucial element because if you just keep showing up to work asking for help. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. I'm going through a tough time. Eventually, people are going to look at you, especially if you're a leader, and they're going to say, maybe you should not be in this role. Mm. So it's a critical element for people to remember. 
leading with vulnerability basically means that you're demonstrating that you're trying to close the gap, that you're trying to become more competent, you're trying to get better, you're trying to learn, you're trying to grow. If you can do that, then you will change how people perceive you and you will see more leadership success. Um, you know, we surveyed 14,000 employees and we asked them, why don't you feel comfortable being vulnerable at work? And the number one reason from 14,000 employees around the world was, I don't want to be perceived as being weak or incompetent. Right. Why are you perceived as being weak or incompetent? It's because you don't demonstrate the competence with the vulnerability. It's because whenever you're vulnerable, you only say, I need help. Can you help me? It's because you only say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. If you add the competence piece, then the negative perception about you being weak or incompetent goes away. But we just mm -hmm. forget to do that second part of the equation. Yeah, it's interesting because I was listening to the one story of, of you know, the, the, the second leader who said, you know, we've got all these problems, but, but here's, here's my vision of the future. One of the things I, I, I see it, it really important in leadership is providing hope, providing direction, providing a vision, providing a bigger, um, something that the group can collectively come together to accomplish. And I, it, and I think that's what, what I see difference between the two stories. One was we're in despair, pray for the company. <laughs> and it's like, but yeah, you're in charge. What, what are we going to do? The other yep. thought is is that I have that we can you know we can we can make the changes we can we can come together we can build a greater future and I think yeah. I think employees want to get on board with it with something that's bigger than themselves a vision an idea something that they can rally behind and I think we if we miss out on that opportunity especially you know a we're we're being vulnerable we're connecting but then b we have to say what's the future and I think that's what is missing a lot of cases with just being vulnerable. Yeah, and we see this all the time, right? Especially with first-time leaders, right? Think about what happens when a leader gets promoted into their position for their first time. And you could think about how you can address your team in, in that kind of a scenario. And a lot of times people might say, hey, how's it going? I'm Jacob. You know, I'm a first-time leader here. Super excited to be leading the team. Uh, I know I don't have a lot of experience, but don't worry. Together, we're going to figure it out. And you can imagine if you're a team member in that kind of a team, you're like, wait a minute, uh... You don't sound like you're very confident. You don't sound like you're the best person for this job. But similarly, you could take that same approach, have that same messaging and add the leadership piece and say, hey, I'm Jacob. I'm a first-time leader. I know I don't have, um, you know, I haven't been doing this for a long time. I don't have a lot of that experience that's needed. So here's what I'm going to do. I hired a coach who's going to be helping me. I have a mentor inside this company who's a seasoned leader who's going to be helping me out. I enrolled in a couple courses. I'm reading a few books. My door's always open for your feedback so that I can be the best leader that you need me to be. Again, I'm vulnerable there as well, but I'm also demonstrating what I'm doing to close the gap. I'm demonstrating that I have the coach. I have a mentor in the company. I'm doing all these things to become better. One is just vulnerable. One is leading with vulnerability. And that, mm -hmm. again, I think is the key difference. So when when leaders are leading with vulnerability, what can they expect or what what are some of the advantages when we do that when we act so we 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 connect the two with one with connection and one with competence? Well, I think the advantages are huge, right? I mean, for one, you create trust amongst your team, right? I mean, vulnerability alone can sometimes create trust, but vulnerability alone can also backfire where people look at you and they say, mm, "I don't trust you." Mm. So you kind of are not sure where you're going to go with that. So it creates trust. 
It helps unlock the potential of people uh, or unlock the potential of those around you because they not only feel that you have that level of competence, but they feel that you're creating that human connection, the engagement, the trust. So I think it builds more cohesive teams. It creates trust amongst your uh, your organization. Um, and ultimately, from the research that we did, it helps drive innovation. It helps drive business performance. It makes or it helps other people around you also lead with vulnerability for their teams. Mm-hmm. So the the benefits are huge across the board. Whereas if you're only vulnerable again, you're it could have the potential to create far more harm than it can good. You know, I'm interested in thinking about all the CEOs you talked to. If there were a if there were like a an arrow pointing to far would be the competence side and the other side would be the uh, connection side. Where do, where do you feel most most CEOs fall? Are they more on the competence side, but they need vulnerability or are they, because I, 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 I imagine just, I spent 22 years in corporate. I saw a lot of like competent people with very little vulnerability yes. in corporate days. So I'm just kind of wondering where that needle falls and where, where most leaders need to make adjustments. Oh, you're 100% right. Uh, in fact, um, when we surveyed the 14,000 employees, I teamed up with a leadership firm called DDI, and they have this list of effective leadership behaviors, and there's 13 of them. And we group them into kind of emerging leadership behaviors or more traditional leadership behaviors that have always been around. So a traditional behavior, leadership behavior is an example of something like maintaining high trust and confidentiality. Like that's always been important, right? That's not new. Something emerging is showing willingness to be emotionally vulnerable. That's more emerging. And so we looked at all 13 of these um, different attributes. And what we found is that by far across the board, across seniority levels, we are far more comfortable with the traditional aspects of leadership and we struggle considerably with the emerging aspects of leadership. In fact, at this list, and I'm looking at the chart right now in front of me, what scored lowest, the two things that scored lowest at the very bottom from all of these 13, last place was showing willingness to be emotionally vulnerable. <laughs> and short and a high, just above that was genuinely acknowledging your failures or shortcomings. And shortly above that was inquiring and caring about my well-being. So you can see, and again, much higher on the list were things like um, sharing your rationale for a decision maintaining high trust and confidentiality, um, recognizing the success of a team member. You know, a lot of the traditional things we're good with, Mm. but the emerging things, the human things we really, really struggle with. And perhaps the more shocking aspect of this is that the more senior you become inside of an organization, the less frequently you practice the human aspects, the emerging aspects of leadership, which honestly, quite disturbing. Um, Even specifically, if we look at showing willingness to be emotionally vulnerable or acknowledging failures and shortcomings, when you progress from manager to mid-level leader to senior level leader, we see a gradual decline up until the point where you go from mid-level leader to senior level leader, and then it drops off a cliff. Yeah. So it's really a lot of the senior leaders inside of companies really struggle with all of these human aspects, especially vulnerability. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm nodding my head a lot because I, you know, as I mentioned, I've spent 22 years in corporate. I was a vice president. I moved up very high in the chain. I can see where I started off as a factory manager, you know, where I connected with employees every day, hourly employees every day. And then to the point where I was, I spent most of my time in board meetings, you know, and in, and in yep. leadership meetings. And so, and there, 
and this was going to have, I was going to ask you about it is, is how much of the, of the organizational culture affects the, your ability to be vulnerable? Because I know for me as a vice president in a room with a bunch of other vice presidents, we were all sharks. Nobody wanted to show any weakness uh, when yep. you're in that room of sharks. And I wonder if, if, if the culture, a company culture affects vulnerability or if, or if the fact that you are more senior now, you're more around other people who are looking for weaknesses in you. So you were less likely to be vulnerable. I wonder how much of uh, either the culture and or just where you are in the organization affects how vulnerable you feel you can be. Yeah, it's all the above, right? I mean, and I've heard stories from CEOs, you know, horrific stories of how they've tried to be vulnerable at work before they were CEOs and how it was used against them and how there was backstabbing and people were manipulating them and trying to fire them. I mean, the book is filled with just ridiculous things that, you know, most people wouldn't believe. And some of these stories are like, you know, spy novels or just, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, so the culture does make a difference, right? I mean, if you work in an environment that's purely command and control and hierarchy and nobody shows emotion and nobody says good job and nobody you know does any of that stuff and it's just go, 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 produce as much as possible, make as much money as possible. Yeah, you're not going to have an environment where people are going to be doing anything related to vulnerability or talking about challenges or uh, mistakes and failures and shortcomings. You're not going to have anything like that. And so, yeah, the culture does make a difference. And so does your immediate circle of who you're around. And so does your personal temperament and comfort level as well. So, you know, in the book, I talk about eight attributes of vulnerable leaders. So being able to create those attributes for yourself are very important, but just as much is the culture, right? I mean, I could talk about this stuff as much as possible, but if you are working in an organization where everybody just says, shut up and do your job, it's not going to matter what I tell you or how many books you read you're part of a environment that doesn't encourage that. And you have to decide if that's the kind of company you want to work for. Mm, yeah, that's exactly it. So that's one of the things we, we talk about on this show is, you know, if you're in a position where you maybe can't affect the culture, you might be in a role where you're lower in an organization. You can't, you know, go to a place where you, you, where you, you feel more comfortable, where, where it fits the way you want to be a leader as well. So, um, but that's interesting. But if you are in a position of leadership where you can, uh, address the culture, then you're, these are, these are some things you need to be thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of organization have you created or are you creating, you know, in, in your organization? Can people be vulnerable without, um, you know, feeling like they're, they're, they're exposing themselves to, to weakness that, that, that people may take advantage of. So that's because I think what you said earlier on, which was vulnerability says you're opening yourself up to where you could be hurt emotionally, but also uh, financially, right? If you get fired or yeah. get demoted or whatever. Yeah. So uh, do you have an environment where you can be open uh, and share vulnerability within yeah. the and, So, yeah. And let me give you one more definition, which is the definition of a vulnerable leader. And so a vulnerable leader is a leader who intentionally opens themselves up to the potential of emotional harm. That's the vulnerability piece. But while taking action to create a positive outcome. That's the leadership piece. Mm. So what is the action that you're going to take to create that positive outcome whenever you can? So that's, again, the we're good at focusing on the first part, but we always forget the take action to create the positive outcome part. Mm. This is some powerful stuff. Um, I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface, but uh, what final message, Jacob, would you like to leave with all of our listeners today? Probably the most important message is this idea. Um, it's called the vulnerable leader equation. Super simple. It's what we've been talking about. Leadership plus vulnerability equals leading with vulnerability. So anytime you're in a situation where vulnerability needs to happen, whether you're talking about a mistake or a failure or a challenge 
whatever it is, take a step back and ask yourself, especially in a work environment, what you can do to add that competence piece, the leadership piece. Even if you had a colossal failure, add in what you learned. Even if you need help with something, add in what you're going to do in the future to be able to help yourself. Add that little ingredient in there and you're going to see how the perception, um, how the uh, other people's perception of you is going to change. You're going to see the greater impact that you're going to be able to have on those around you, both in terms of creating connection and in terms of being able to unlock the potential of those around you. So if I can just encourage people to add that one little piece to the vulnerability uh, aspect, uh, I will be more than happy. Mm, very good advice. Very good. Listeners, hope you're getting all this because this is really important. So the book is called Leading with Vulnerability. Um, Jacob, how can people find out more about the book and more about you? Sure. Uh, so there are a couple of different places. One is we made a special URL for the book, which is leadwithvulnerability.com. And then we have a couple links on there for people who want to pre-order it. Um, if people do order a copy of the book and send me an email to bonus at thefutureorganization.com, I'm going to send them access to five of the CEO interviews that I did, audio and video. And these are interviews with the CEOs of uh, Jeff Immel from GE, Penny Pennington from Edward Jones, um, Doug Parker from American Airlines, and a couple others. So they'll actually see and hear some of these interviews, get the information directly from the CEOs. So that's a bonus at thefutureorganization.com. On my website, where all my books and content goes, is thefutureorganization.com. And we fairly recently launched a Substack community, which I'm having a lot of fun with, and that is greatleadership.substack.com. And that's kind of, you know, for, for the archive of all of the content that I create. And last thing I can give people is my email if they have any questions, which is jacob at thefutureorganization.com. Okay, very good. And we're going to kind of put links in the show notes for all those resources. And again, this is a really important book. Um, this is a well-researched. I mean, uh, Jacob spent a lot of time researching this book, writing this book. We didn't even talk about your journey in terms of vulnerability, but that's in the book. No, you really the book gave me a panic attack. It literally yeah, gave me a panic attack writing this book. So uh, yeah. <laughs> nah, I, yeah, so I, think I felt like I was going to die writing it. So it's worth you buying it's it. worth reading it just for that alone. I think there's a lot of great stories in this book. Uh, a lot of well, re uh, it's well-researched. And so, and one of the things he pointed out was we do pretty good job on the competency side. We don't do a good enough job on the vulnerability side. So if you if you're struggling in that area, struggling connection, this is a great book to help you get a get a handle on understanding. So I highly encourage you check it out. The links are below here. Jacob, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing this research. Thanks for sharing this new book. And uh, good luck with the launch of this book. And and I hope uh, it has a lot of success. Yeah, hey, I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Thank you again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.
Electricast. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.